Anyway, let's get right into our word this morning. Today I'm kicking off a new series entitled Foolproof. And I was telling the early service, one of the things I thought about doing was, uh, some of you might remember the old Sanford and Son, uh, and I think her name was Esther. And, and, and I started to play a clip from her because she used to say to Fred, you old fool. And, and so we're going to talk about foolproof, though. We're going to talk about living in wisdom. And today we're going to do a kickoff message, so there'll be a lot of scripture. But I want to lay the foundation for what we're going to talk about over the next few weeks. And this morning's message is entitled, Everybody Plays the Fool. Everybody Plays the Fool. Ecclesiastes chapter 10, uh, verse, uh, verse number 2. We'll just read down to verse 4. It says, A wise man's heart is at his right hand, but a fool's heart at his left. Even when a fool walks along the way, he lacks wisdom, and he shows everyone that he is a fool. If the spirit of the ruler rises against you, do not leave your post, for conciliation pacifies great offenses. And may the Lord add his blessing to his word this morning. You're thinking, what in the world does that have to do with anything? Well, let, let's, let's dive into it this morning. Uh, in this series, we're going to we're going to look at godly wisdom and how it helps us live in today's world. How many has ever seen somebody do something foolish? Yeah, I know, that's, <laughs> that's the ultimate, duh. Uh, how many has ever done anything foolish? Yeah, sure, we all, we all have. Uh, my, my title, if you're a music person, you, you probably have heard that before. In 1972, an R&B group, uh, by the name of The Main Ingredient, released the song, Everybody Plays the Fool. And the lyrics to the chorus read like this, Everybody plays the fool sometimes. There's no exception to the rule. It may be factual, may be cruel. I ain't lying. Everybody plays the fool. And so we, we recognize that. John Wayne one time put it like this. He said, Life is tough, but it's tougher when you're stupid. And, you know, there's, pro there's probably a little bit of reality to that old cowboy there, right? Well, I'll tell you, little lady. <laughs> uh, but, but here's the thing. That it's funny, but the reality is this, that the Bible, the way the Bible uses the word fool has nothing to do with intelligence and more to do with stubbornness. There's a big difference there. It has nothing to do with our intellectual capacity. It has everything to do with our stubbornness and our refusal to do something. And so that's what, the, again, the biblical range uh, of fool, the, the word fool, ranges from a person who is naive but teachable all the way over to the immoral and destructive person. So that's a, that's a wide uh, gap there, but that kind of gives us the idea of the biblical use of the word fool. Uh, we're every, listen, the truth is every one of us are prone to foolish behavior. There is no exception to the rule. Uh, if I could sing like them, I'd sing it. Uh, but there, again, we're, we're, we're prone to foolishness in our behavior. We're prone to foolishness in our attitude from time. I mean, think about how many lives have been ruined because of foolishness, a foolish decision. I don't, I don't know about you, but I've seen times where uh, you know, again, and that's all it takes. I mean, a little bit of foolishness can override a lot of wisdom. I mean, we can make a thousand wise choices and make one foolish choice, and you know what we're remembered for? The foolish choice. That one choice can undo all of the wisdom that we displayed earlier, and it can haunt us for the rest of our lives. That's how dangerous it is. That's why, that's why this series is about foolproof. It's about how to live in the wisdom of God. Listen, we have a book right here. It's not the philosophy of Moses or the ideology of Elijah. Uh, it is God's Word. And, and the Bible says in Psalm 119, it is a lamp unto my feet and it is a light unto my path. This book is good for all life. It's not just my, my Sunday go to meeting book. It's a it's a book for all life. It's a book that tells me how to be a good citizen. It's a book that tells me how to be a good person. It tells me how to be a good husband or how to be a, a good wife or how to be a good parent. Or It tells me how to run a business in, with ethics. It tells me how to do, handle my finances. And all of this stuff is chock full of wisdom. And when we live by the wisdom of God, we tap into the benefits of walking in that wisdom. And so, again, we want to foolproof ourselves. 
We don't want to walk around like a fool. We want to walk around as a person of wisdom. Uh, foolishness can hijack your reputation and, and, and become that one thing that everybody remembers you for. Uh, an example would be this. How many of you remember uh, Vice President Dan Quayle? Anybody remember him? I know some of you are like, that's way before my time. <laughs> well, I mean, you could get modern examples, but I'm old, so we'll stay with Dan Quayle. Dan Quayle was the vice president under President Bush. He chose him as his running mate. And, and the thing about it is Dan Quayle had already achieved a level of success that is very rare in our world today. He was an amazing, amazingly accomplished individual. In fact, he was the youngest person to ever be elected to the Senate from the state of Indiana. And he then made history again by being reelected to the Senate by the largest margin ever to date in the state of Indiana. I mean, this guy had a lot of accomplishments. He had a very distinguished career prior to becoming a vice president, but, of all, but, but regardless of all those impressive accomplishments, Dan Quayle is probably known best for his blunders in the public arena. I mean, who, who could forget, uh, again, this is probably dating uh, myself and, and many here, but, I mean, who can forget that tiff that he had with Murphy Brown? I mean, that ran on, and, and finally they came out and said, you do know she's a fictional character, right? But he had this big argument going on with Murphy Brown. Or, or, or who could forget the time that Dan Quayle corrected a 12-year-old boy who correctly spelled the word potato, but Vice President Quayle corrected him and said, no, there's an E on the end of it. Again, for everything that he did, and, 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 and by the way, he's still very successful today. He actually runs an investment firm out of New York City. He lives in Arizona, has an office in New York City. But for everything that he accomplished with his life, the thing that he's re remembered most for are the blunders that he had in the public arena. His reputation was stunk up by a few dumb statements. Again, this is, this is just a few. We could, we could be here a long time because there are a lot of re relevant examples of people who do dumb things and, 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 and nothing that they did prior to that dumb thing ever comes back to light. It's always they remembered them for that. Well, you know, that's why we're doing this series. I want to be known as a man of wisdom. I want to make wise choices. Uh, you know, in this introductory message, what I want to do is I want to give you three areas that we're all prone to a little foolishness. Again, this is the foundation, and we'll start building on it over the next couple of weeks. But I want to give you three areas that we're all prone to foolishness. Number one is in our walk. In our walk. Notice in our text here in verse 2 and 3, verses 2 and 3, it says, the heart of the wise, now I'll be referring to Ecclesiastes 10 quite a bit. So, so verses 2 and 3 read like this, the heart of the wise inclines to the right, but the heart of the fool to the left. Even as fools walk along the road, they lack sense and show everyone, this version says, how stupid they are. Okay, so what does that mean? Well, when he says the wise heart inclines to the right and the foolish heart inclines to the left, please hear me, that has nothing to do with politics. It doesn't. It's not right wing, left wing. It has nothing to do with politics. What, what it refers to is that in ancient times, Mideastern times, the right hand was a metaphor for strength and honor. Okay? So, so what he's saying is that the right are on, again, what did the sons of thunder ask? Remember? I want to sit on your right hand. Jesus is seated where? On the right hand. Okay, so that's where this comes from. It is a place of honor. It is a place of strength. To sit on the right hand uh, of an important person was the greatest and highest honor that you could get. Now, the left side symbolized stupidity and incompetence and even perverseness. Now, that has nothing to do with a left-handed person. I'm just saying in their culture, to be on the right hand was one of honor and one of, uh, uh, again, one of, uh, of, of strength. To be on the left hand was one of incompetence and perverseness. What does this mean? Well, what it means is wisdom and foolishness are diametrically opposed. You cannot be a wise fool. That, that's really what it means. It's kind of like jumbo shrimp. That's an oxymoron. You're either a shrimp or you're not. No, I'm just, right, right? You know, so, so that's the idea here. It, wisdom 
and, and foolishness are diametrically opposed. They lead in the opposite direction. And, and look at verse 3. It says, even the fool, when he's walking along the way, shows everyone how foolish they are. Now, what does that mean? Well, what it means is that a person who is prone to foolishness doesn't recognize how foolish they are. Have you ever witnessed somebody do something really stupid and you're like, what were they thinking? Anybody done that? That's kind of the idea here. Because when you're foolish and you make those decisions, to you, it's like wisdom. To you, it's like, hey, I got this, and you're making foolish choices, but there's people around you like, what in the world are they thinking? What are they doing? That's what he's talking about here. Sometimes other people can see us clearer than we can see ourselves. When a fool looks into a mirror, they see a wise person staring back at them. Self-deception is part of being foolish. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 15 says, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. In other words, <laughs> sounds good to me. We can't measure wisdom and foolishness by how we feel, right? There are objective mar markers that reveal whether or not we're a person of wisdom or a person inclined to foolishness. Uh, for instance, Proverbs 9.10 says, the fear of the Lord is what? The beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So the question I have to ask myself is, am I living in the fear of the Lord? Now, the fear of the Lord has nothing to do with, with trembling in, 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 in fear, being afraid. It has everything to do with reverence and respect. So what he's saying here is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of the wisdom, uh, beginning of wisdom. We have to ask ourselves, in my daily walk, okay, do I reverence God in the choices that I make? In, in what I do in a daily life, do I respect God and his boundaries by the choices that I live out on a day-to-day -day basis? That's one marker. If, if I want to see whether or not I'm prone to foolishness, I have to ask myself, do I make decisions based on how this reflects on God? Or do I just kind of bull in a china closet, push my way through? Another marker about being a foolish person versus a wise is do we hate evil and everything that it stands for? Proverbs 8.13 says, the, to fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior and perverse speech. Again, we live in a world today, and unfortunately even in the church, where we have seemingly made peace with sin. Amen? We, we, we don't think about it anymore. We, we talk about indiscretions in which the Bible calls sin. And a, a marker of a foolish person is to not hate evil. The Bible says to eschew it, to, to you know, to eschew. You ever had a, a cat? You go, shoo. That's, that's the idea behind it. That's what we should do to evil. If I'm going to be a wise person, then I eschew evil. The Bible says come out from among the world and be separate and touch not the unclean thing. Another one is, do I, do I seek and listen to good counsel? Proverbs 12, 15 says, again, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. But then it goes on to say, but a wise man listens to advice. How many, how many times do we just trot along based on our own opinions and our own decisions, and we never bother to ask people for their input? I'll tell you this morning, if you'll look around here, there are people here that have tremendous cachets of wisdom. They've lived, they've experienced. They, you know, it's not that you have a T-shirt that says, been there, done that. It's the, it's, the, it's the reality that we live in life, we learn from life, life lessons. And, and for us people growing up, you need to tap into that. Or do you just kind of go on and say, well, you know, this is right. This, it makes it, again, if that's a foolish person to just trudge headlong without ever stopping to ask for somebody's advice or opinion. Are we humble and teachable or do we think we know it all? That's a marker. Another one is, are we self, or do we have self-control? That's a big thing today. Proverbs 25, 28 says, a man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. Again, if I can't control myself, that's a sign of being foolish. Do I blow my stack? And that's another one, is do I, do I get angry all the time? Do I lose, do I blow it? Proverbs 14, 15 says, the simple believe, uh, excuse me, uh, uh, I got ahead of myself. Proverbs 29, 11 says, a fool gives full vent to their rage, 
but the wise bring calm in the end. Again, anger is a marker for a foolish life. If I'm constantly getting angry about everything, have you noticed that we live in a culture today where it seems like everybody wears their feelings on their shoulders? And they're quick to get angry about anything and they have no idea. You know, so, so if you get angry because somebody sends you a text message in caps, <laughs> right? You don't know. Maybe they left their helpers at home and that's the only way they could see what they typed. They text you. But you get it, right? I'm telling the truth. You get that text message. What did they do? What did I do now? They're angry at me. Look at that. Look at this. It's all caps. (laughs) That's a sign of a foolish person. Again, these are markers. We can't trust our own assessment. Wisdom is always centered in our relationship with God. And it's measured by our obedience to Him and His will as recorded in His Word. So, so one of the areas that we're all prone to foolishness is in our daily walk. Another one is in our work. Everybody say work. work. Boy, that, that's, you know, work's a four-letter word right there. Like it or not, okay, work consumes a big portion of our lives. I was talking to early service this morning. I said, you know, I, I, I got to thinking about it. I've been working a long time. I started with my father when he... When, when, when I was a little boy, probably about 10 years of age, I started to go to work with my dad. My dad was a firefighter on the side, you know my story. <laughs> he had, a, had that roofing business, that construction business. So I, I'd go on the weekends and the summers with my dad. My dad would pay me. I'd go to work. And my job initially was to pick up the shingles that fell off the roof or to pick up the nails in the, in the grass. And, uh, you know, as I got older, my first gig, I guess, my first job, was about 15 years of age. I worked at a grocery store. And so I've been working about 50, excuse me, about 40, whew, about 40, how old am I? 44, 42 years. 40, yeah, anyway, I've been working a long time. <laughs> work, takes, work takes up a lot of time, right? We, we spend a lot of our lives in, in, in work, and rightly so. I mean, God created us to work. You do know that, right? This lazy culture we live in, I don't know where they get it. We were created to work. We were created uh, to, to be productive, to, to accomplish something. You know, whether it's a stay-at-home parent, you know, and I include that as work. I mean, you know, that's, that's hard. So whether you're a stay-at-home parent or a CEO of a Fortune 500 company, we were not created to be stagnant. We weren't created to sit around watching as the world turns. We were created to do something, to work, to occupy. Work is designed by God to give us a sense of fulfillment and accomplishment. Foolishness can be a significant danger to our productivity. Listen to some of these scriptures that, that he talks about in chapter 10. First thing he says regarding our work, he said, don't, don't leave your post prematurely. Look at verse 4. If a ruler's anger arises against you, do not leave your post. Calmness, this version says, calmness can lay great offenses to rest. Now, what is he talking about? Well, how many of you have ever been chewed out by your boss? And, and, and when you were chewed out by your boss, did you ever have the temptation to say, you know what? You can just take this job and I quit. Right? You ever been tempted to do that? Maybe the boss unfairly treated, blamed you for something that you had nothing to do with. Maybe your boss, uh, again, maybe you feel, felt under, underappreciated or undervalued. Listen, there's always going to be temptation to give up, to throw the towel in. Every one of us have been tempted to give up on something, to leave our post, to quit at some point in our lives. I've often heard this, you probably heard it as well, that one should never make a life-changing decision in the midst of an intensely emotional time. In other words, don't make a decision that's going to alter your life when your emotions are run amok. Because that's a foolish thing to do. How many times have you ever blown up and said something that you wish you could go back and retrieve? That's, that's kind of what it is. That's what he's talking about. And so he says, don't, you know, regret is a powerful thing. So he says, keep calm and stay at your post. 
And the reason is, it's amazing what a steady, calm hand can do in a situation around you. That's what Paul said when he says, as much as it depends upon you, be at peace with all people. As much as it depends on you, be at peace with all people. What what, uh, Solomon says is, look, when the boss comes and starts chewing on you, and you have every temptation to throw the towel in and quit, he said, stand your ground, stay put, let, let cooler minds prevail, and watch how God can work through that. You, you ever seen something happen like that where you, you, you kept your peace, you kept quiet, and God worked through that, through the Holy Spirit, to maybe bring correction to that employer? I mean, it's amazing what God can do when we go by His book, right? Amen? Another thing He says here, is don't get careless. Look at verses 8 and 9. Whoever digs a pit may fall into it. Whoever breaks through a wall may be bitten by a snake. Whoever quarries stone may be injured by them. Whoever splits logs may be endangered by them. I love the pragmatism of of Solomon. Basically what he's saying is that, you you know what, any job can be dangerous if you're careless. Any job can be dangerous if you're careless. Uh, pits. Hey, pits need to be dug sometimes. But if you're not careful, guess what? You're going to fall in it. Breaking down a wall might seem on the surface to be harmless. But he says, you know what? Be careful because snakes, again, we're talking Middle Eastern culture here, snakes, poisonous snakes might make their homes in the cracks and crevices of those stone walls. So if you start going over there just randomly, carelessly pulling stones apart and you're not careful, you might, be get, you might get bitten by a snake. Quarrying stones or cutting lumber, good productive jobs. But if you're not careful, you can get hurt. Again, he's talking about wisdom, about paying attention to what you're doing. Listen, I, I, was, I said this in early service, I'll say it now. When I die, I don't want to die doing something stupid. I really don't. I, I, I mean, and, and maybe that is a little, I, I don't know. I just don't want to do something stupid and die because of it, okay? You know, like, at our helicopter egg drop, you know, the whole temptation of coming out of, you know, repelling out of the helicopter. I'd love to do that. But at 57 years of age, almost 58 years old, it's probably not the wisest thing to do. Right? Accidents happen, but you know what? Some can be avoided if you just pay attention, show a little bit of care. You know, it's like the old saying, I want to die peacefully like my grandfather, not yelling like everybody else in the car. Another thing, another thing he said about work, work smarter, not harder. Look at verse 10. He says, if the axe is dull and its edge unsharpened, more strength is needed. But skill will bring success. I, I like that. Again, the pragmatism of this guy. Stephen Covey tells a story in his book about a lumberjack competition that was held. And it was between an older, experienced lumberjack and a younger a young buck who, you know, this muscle-bound buck that had all the energy and all the strength, and, and uh, the young lumberjack was absolutely certain that by the end of the day, he would fell more trees than the older lumberjack. Because, again, in his mind, the guy's old, and he's going to have to take frequent rests and, and stop, and, and so by the end of the day, he would fell more trees. Well, it just so happened that at the end of the day, the older, experienced lumberjack had taken down way many more trees then this younger lumberjack, and so he went up to him and he said, but I heard you. He said, you took many breaks. You stopped often. And, and the old lumberjack looked at him and says, well, that's when I would rest and sharpen my axe. That's when I would rest and sharpen my axe. You see, being productive, wisdom has it, that being productive in our work doesn't just happen because we work harder. We learn how to be more efficient. And I think this is a big deal in our culture today. It's wise to sharpen your axe regularly. What, what do I mean by that? Well, sharpen your axe by taking time, to, by, by self-care. Everybody know what I mean by self-care? You know, if you get on an airplane and, and, and you're getting ready to take off, the, the, the attendants will step up in the, into the aisle and they'll say, you know, pay attention to our safety briefing. And they'll talk about the seat belt and they'll talk about... Uh, if there's a, you know, if there's a water landing, there's a raft here, and there's a, there's a flotation device. Un- yeah, anyway, there's a flotation device under there. And, and then they'll tell you that in the, in the event that this cabin depressurizes, there's going to be a, a mask that falls out of the, the compartment above your head, 
And you are to do what with it? You're to take that mask, your mask, and put it on your face and then put it on the next person that you're with. If you're traveling with a child uh, or uh, someone who's, who's incapacitated or disabled, you, you put it on you first and then you put it on them. The idea is self-care. Listen, we do ourselves no service if we run ourselves so ragged that we can't even function. I truly believe that a lot of the work that's not being done in the kingdom of God today is because people have not learned how to manage their time. We stay busy running from sunup to sundown. We get in bed late. We get up early. We keep running and running and running. And we don't have time to do the main thing, which is to expand the kingdom. Listen, when, when that trumpet sounds or we die, it's not going to matter how many hours I log that week. When I stand before him, he's not going to ask me how much overtime I pulled. He's going to ask me, what did you do with the giftings I gave you for the kingdom? And I want to be able to say, hey, you know, I reached people. I did this. I did that. That's what I want to say. Listen, sharpen your axe. Take, a t- take time and refresh yourself. It's okay to get away. It's okay to go fishing. Amen. Come on. Guys, you, you should have been there. That was your time. <laughs> Hey, ladies, I'll even tell you it's okay to go shopping. (laughs) It's okay to sit down and watch football or whatever. Being productive, again, I think hinges on our self-care. Sharpen your axe. Sharpen your axe by learning how to do your job more efficiently. I think one of the ways that we sharpen ourselves is by coming to church on a regular basis. We come together with God's family, with our family, and we're sharpening. As iron sharpens iron, we sharpen ourselves. We we sharpen each other. We we again, it's important that we do that. Next Sunday, for instance, right after service, we'll go and break bread together and have fun together. That's sharpening our lives. Number four, again, talking about our work, don't be lazy and self-indulgent. We live in a lazy world today. Verse 16, 18 says, Woe to the land whose king was a servant, whose princes feast in the morning. Blessed is the land whose king is of noble birth and whose princes eat at the proper time for strength and not for drunkenness. Through laziness, verse 18 says, Through laziness the rafters sag because of idle hands, the house leaks. You know what that's a picture of? It's a picture of neglect. A king and a princess are there to, run, to, to govern. And the picture there is of a lazy leader who does nothing but indulge themselves. And again, we in America can relate to that in our current climate, political climate. And I'm not jumping on a political sandbox. I'm just simply saying we have leaders today that seem more indulgent in themselves than they do in helping their constituents. And it's an unfortunate thing, but that's wisdom. Wisdom is that we're here to work and to serve. When he talks about the rafters, lazy, listen, laziness tears lives and homes apart, not in the moment, but over time. Anybody ever had a leaky roof? Anybody ever, ever tore off that roof and you found out it was worse than what you thought it was? You know what? It didn't happen overnight. It happened over time. And you see, that's what laziness does. Laziness over time will ruin your family. It will cost you in the long run. If you see that drip... You need, to get it, you need to investigate because the longer you let that thing drip, the worse it's going to be. And that's, again, that's applicable to our daily lives. He's saying, look, laziness will ruin you. Laziness, I mean, again, think about the neglect. The rafters begin to sag and the house starts to leak primarily because you neglect to do the maintenance. When I was in the military, every time we would uh, have to go out in the field, every time we would go out to start up our vehicles, we had what they gave us a form. I don't even remember what the, the number of the form was, the nomenclature, but it was a, but it was a uh, PMI, a preventive maintenance inspection form. And every day that we would drive, I had to go out, I had to check the oil, I had to check the, I had to walk around and do an inspection of that vehicle. I had to, I had to lift the hood, I had to check it, I had to do all of that stuff. And the idea was, an ounce of prevention is worth more than a pound of cure. And it's the same thing here. If we neglect ourselves, if we neglect to do what needs to be done, then eventually that laziness to tend to the things that are needed are going to wear us down 
and destroy our lives. Laziness takes many forms, but in any form it's hazardous. Let me give you the third area that we're prone. We talked about our walk, we talked about our work. Now, in our talk. Oh, we could be here all day. <laughs> One of the biggest places that we exhibit foolishness is through our mouth. 12, verses 12 through 14. Words from the mouth of the wise are gracious, but fools are consumed by their own lips. At the beginning, their words are folly. At the end, they are wicked madness, and fools multiply words. He says here, the contrast is that a wise person speaks graciously. We live in a world that's tense. Anybody agree with me? We live in a world right now, a society, where everybody's on edge. If you say the wrong thing in a public setting, they're liable to, to, to chew you out without any regard to it being in public, right? They will yell at you, scream at you. They will, they will spit and snort at you, and they'll do all this kind of stuff. We live in a world like that. But you know what he says? He says, as a believer, if you're going to walk in wisdom, then you need to be gracious with your words. You need to be gracious. Again, we live in a world of disagreement. We disagree politically. We disagree economically. We disagree, you know, whatever. We disagree. But he said, even in disagreement, even when you have strong convictions, be careful how you say things. It's important. Colossians 4, 6. Paul writing to the church in Colossae, he said, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Listen, and I look at, I read that scripture and I get convicted sometimes because you know what? Sometimes I'm not gracious with my words. You know, boneheadedness gets on my nerves. Yours too, right? <laughs> but he said, be gracious about it. If you're in a disagreement with someone, always season what you say. Don't, uh, listen, how, we've all known people who have used words like a samurai sword, and they will slice and dice you at every chance they get. Paul said, don't be like them. Don't be, that, that's not wisdom. That's foolishness. You know, if you're, listen, if you're prone to speak harshly and foolishly, in time, listen, your, your life will unravel. You're going to create more problems than you're going to solve foolish words will cost you dearly in the end solomon goes on in verse 20 and he says do not revile the king even in your thoughts or curse the rich in your bedroom because the bird in the sky may carry your words and a bird on the wing may report what you say you, you read that and you think what in the world does that mean well you know we have a, a saying today that's similar to that and how many's ever heard somebody say well a little birdie told me that's exactly what he's saying there he said you know what be careful who you bump your gums to You may go out and talk and say things about people. How many's ever said something about, honest, honest disclosure, how many's ever said something about somebody and it got back to them what you said? Isn't that, isn't, that, isn't that quite painful to be faced with the reality that you run your mouth and you shouldn't have? That's what, he said, that's what he's saying right there. If I'm going to, again, if I'm prone to foolishness, more often than not it's going to come through my words. I'm going to say things I shouldn't say. I'm going to say it to the people I shouldn't say it to. Listen, if you've got things to say, take it in your war room and you go and pray about it. Or go to the person, do what, do what the Bible says. Go to that person, make things right. That's what wisdom is. That's what wisdom is. See, God calls us to walk wisely, redeeming the time for His purposes. Every one of us here are, are here for a limited time, Right? Hebrews 9.27 says it's appointed unto man once to die, after this to judgment. We have an appointed time, whatever that is. We're here for a season. And he said, if you're in, in this season, walk in wisdom, be foolproof. That's why this series is called Foolproof. Because listen, the way of the world leads to destruction. The Bible says the way of a man is not within himself. It is not in a man who walks to determine his path. I can't, I can't plot my own course. Oh, I can but I'll pay the consequences. My job is to tap into the plan and purposes of God and walk according to His revelation. And when you do that, His Word becomes that lamp and that light, and He gives me guidance. That's why Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not to your own understanding, but in all of your ways. Acknowledge Him, and He will do what? He will direct your path. He'll direct your path. 
Guys, come on back as I wrap this up. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Over the next few weeks, again, these are the three areas that we are typically prone to foolishness in our, uh, in our, in our, in our walk, in our work, and in our speech, our talk. Those are areas that if we're not careful, that, that foolishness can come out. And, and, and by the way, let me just say, this, is not about not, this isn't about having fun. I love to have fun. I, I, I like to joke. I like to pick at people. I can, I can receive it too, right? I, I'm okay. I can give and I can receive. I enjoy laughing. I enjoy having good times. You know, when y'all picked at me and made fun of me with all my little sayings on my 30th anniversary, I, I laughed right along with everybody else. <laughs> it was fun. This has nothing, foolishness has nothing to do with humor. Foolishness is serious and it's very dangerous. You know, I, Sheila, can I tell the story about my phone call with you? So, so let me just give you a little example Again, of how, so Sheila took a job, uh, that's been many years ago, over to, over to church in Alvarado. She was the secretary receptionist. And so one day I got this bright idea. I thought, you know, I'm going to call her. I'm going to play a, a trick on her. So I called her up and I said, hey, uh, this is, and I don't even remember what name, this is, this is Bob Jones and I'm with the, the, I'm with the uh, Internal Revenue Service. And I said, I'm looking at my report here and I see that, uh, you guys have not paid your payroll taxes in quite some time. And I said, ma'am, now you do understand that the government doesn't like anybody keeping its money. And, of course, she had only been there just a couple of days, and she's like, I, well, I, I don't know anything about that. And I said, listen, I don't care what you don't know. I said, I need to find out why you guys are holding the money that the government owns. And I said, you better get me an answer. And so she's stammering around, and, and she said, well, the pastor's not here, and I promise you when the when, when the pastor gets back, we'll, we'll look into it and we'll find out. And, and uh, she said, if I could just get your name and your phone number, I'll make sure to call you back. And I said, now you promised me you're going to call me back. And she said, yes, sir, I promise you. And I said, now you don't want me to come out there. I said, I, I don't want to have to come out there to you. I said, I just need to find out why y'all not paying your payroll taxes. And she said, sir, I promise you when the pastor gets back, that we'll call and make this right? She said, can I get your name and phone number? And I said, yes. I said, my name is Mike Mizell. <laughs> Dead silent, she said, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> I like to laugh. I like to have fun. Foolishness is not about having, foolishness is not fun. Foolishness is dangerous. Amen. It's dangerous. And so as we unpack this series over the next few weeks, I want you to glean the wisdom of God. Listen, you don't have to struggle with what do I do here and how do I do this. This book is good for all, as I said, it is good for all life. It will guide you, it will direct you, it will help you parent, it will help you in your marriage, it will help you in your employment, it will help you in the economy, it will help you through all life, not just your Sunday go to meeting, but every day of your life. Hide your word his word in our heart that we might not sin. Listen, sin is, in, is inherently foolish. Jesus came to give us freedom from that sin and to give us abundant life. I want you to stand with me this morning. My prayer over the next series, and, and, and by the way, this, this, these messages hit me as well as it hits you because there, there are areas of my life that God's still working on me. And, and, and he'll, he'll keep working on me until he calls me home. That's just the way it is. But we live in a world today that if you're not careful, it's going to push your buttons. It's going to make you angry, and it's going to make you lean towards doing foolish things. I'm just here to tell you this morning that there's no benefit in doing foolish things. It's not going to help you. Tap into the wisdom of God. In fact, here's what I would encourage you to do before we pray this morning. I would encourage you, if you don't do so already, read a proverb every day. Read a proverb every day. Read a, read, a, read a chapter in Proverbs every day. Glean, soak in that wisdom. That is practical, everyday, where we live wisdom that will help no matter where you are in life. Uh, some of the great, great business minds of our day are people who say, you know what? I just started doing business by the book. And God began to do things in our business. Works every time. Works every time. As we close the prayer this morning, 
I just want to ask you a couple things. Number one, we always do this because I believe it's important. If you're here today and you need somebody to pray with you about anything, I want you to come and we want to pray with you this morning. I, again, I, I believe lives are altered at the altar. And it's a sad day when the church dismisses this prayer time because the cowboy game or whatever might be on the agenda. I think it's important that we have prayer time for one another. The Bible says we're to bear each other's burdens. And this is the place that we get to do that. And this is the time we get to do that. So if you're here this morning and you have any area of your life that you need prayer, and here's the way I'd like to do it. If you need prayer for anything, anything specific, if you'll come over here to my, to my right, your left, and we want to pray with you specifically for those needs. But if you're here today and say, you know what, Pastor, I want to walk in God's wisdom. As, as we unfold this series over the next few weeks, I want, I want God to, 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 and again, it's the, it's, the, it's the Spirit that illuminates His truth. I want God to show me His wisdom for my daily life, and I want to walk in that wisdom. We are a product today of the choices that we made over our lifetime. So if the Lord tarries and I have 30 more years to live, I want the next 30 years of my life to be, to be built on wisdom and not foolishness. So if you're here today, say, you know, Pastor, I want, I want to walk in wisdom. Then I want you to come over here on my left. You're right, and we want to pray today. By the way, it's okay to come, even if you're a guest here today. That's what this is all about. So while they sing, if you need prayer for anything, if you'll join me over here, if you want to pray and say, Pastor, I'm, I'm ready to, I want to walk in God's wisdom, come right over here and we're going to pray. Go ahead. Were creation suddenly articulate with a thousand tongues to lift one cry? From north to south and east to west, we'd Thank hear you, Christ be magnified. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And were the whole earth echoing his imminence, his name would burst from sea and sky. From rivers to the mountaintops, we'd hear Christ be magnified. Sing, oh, Christ be magnified. Just let his praise arise. Christ be magnified in me. be magnified in me. When every creature finds its inmost melody and every human heart its native cry
that your prayer this morning be magnified in me see at the end of the day at the end of the day it's about bringing glory and honor to him when I when I stand before him he's not going to ask me again how busy I was how many miles I logged he's going to say what did you do what did you do with what I gave you for the kingdom walk in wisdom this week Get in the Proverbs. Insulate yourself. We live in a world today that it's, they're, they're, it's a world of confusion. Everywhere you turn, there's confusion. The author of confusion is not the author of this book. He's the prince and power of this air. He's the author of confusion. God brings clarity and he brings understanding. Get in the word. Hide it in your heart. Watch what God will do. Father, today... Thank you for what you're doing. Lord, thank you that we can walk in wisdom, not in foolishness. Lord, help us to hide your word in our heart. Help us to anchor in that which is eternal, not changing with the pop cultures in which we live, but help us, Lord, to be grounded in your truth and to walk in that truth on a daily basis. Father, I pray for each person here, each one online this morning. I pray, Father, that you would help us to commit to living a life of wisdom as spelled out in your word. Not one of folly, not one of foolishness, but one of wisdom. Give us guidance and direction every day. May we wake up each morning with a determination to walk in wisdom. And Lord, may we see your hand operating throughout the day as we walk in that wisdom and that covenant relationship. Go with us now. Give us a great day. May we be a shining example wherever we go of the graciousness of our Heavenly Father. Lord, I love and bless each one now in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. Thank you for being with us online. I look forward to seeing you next time. God bless you and I love you very much.